Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Just what they had done when they crucified. 
Son, for they did not realize this was the promised seed. He had come to bruise Satan's head, so Calvary had to be. plan was set in place from Bethlehem to Calvary God's purpose was grace he drank from the bitter cup all the dregs of sin when he cried it is finished salvation began you see Calvary touched many things on that day mercy was crucified and from his wounds came grace i stand in amazement i rejoice in victory for the wonder of it all calvary touched a sinner like me This world doesn't know to this very day how Calvary touched my life, how everything was changed. For I know what he did for me, and I can testify. When Calvary touched this heart of mine, I passed from death to life. You see, Us. Let's stand up and we're going to begin with song 361, the lily of the valley, and thank the Lord for the fact that he is always there for us, and when other things are going awry, well, the Lord is there for us. 361, let's find that in our hymnals and sing together tonight. Page number 361, 361, the lily of the valley. I have found a friend in Jesus, he's everything to me, he's stay. He tells me every care on him to roll. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He offered peace but's taken, and all my sorrows born. In temptation he's my strong and mighty tower. I have all for him forsaken and all my idols torn from my heart and now he keeps me by his power though all the world forsake me and satan tempts me sore through jesus i shall safely reach the goal he's the lily of the valley the bright and morning star he's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul will never, never leave me, nor yet forsake me here. 
while I live by faith and do his blessed will. A wall of fire about me, I've nothing now to fear. With his manna he my hungry soul shall fill. Then sweep me not to glory, to see his blessed face, where rivers of delight shall ever roll. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. Good start tonight, page 72, fairest Lord Jesus. Page number 72, fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature, God and man, the Son, thee will I cherish, thee will I honor. Think about these words as we sing it out together tonight on the first. goes we're starting back with grace go soul winning this saturday at one o'clock so be here for that if you're able we have the uh, baby shower for miss libby bunner this will be march 20th at 8 p.m so this coming sunday after the evening service so ladies put that on your calendar be here for that 
And then greeters and ushers, remember you have a training meeting Sunday, March 27th at 5 p.m., so this will be before the evening service. Ushers and greeters, that is Sunday, March 27th at 5 p.m. And then please keep in mind the Conquerors Through Christ offering will be April 3rd. This time, teens, you are dismissed. Pastor. Another prayer, and uh, for this week, we're just going to deal with a prayer of the Apostle Paul, and I'll tell you the reason why I'm going to do that. Uh, this morning, as I was, uh, as I was praying, I uh, just was mindful of the fact that we have many who have been afflicted over the past week with different illnesses, and, and uh, sometimes uh, physical illnesses can be a bit of a discouragement, and so uh, as that happens, uh, we need to just get a little Bible focus on, on how to view those things. Uh, from a, a biblical um, viewpoint, and even how the Lord would have us to look at those. So, uh, 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 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 and verse number 7 through 10 is what we're going to look at. And uh, if you're not able to be here because of sickness, and I'm speaking to those who might be watching online, um, we are praying for you and trusting that the Lord will encourage your heart even tonight. And for all of us, I trust that this will just help us to uh, have a right viewpoint on the afflictions that the Lord has and allows into our life. Let's look there. Second uh, Corinthians chapter number 12 and verse number 7. Unless, Paul speaking, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I sought the Lord thrice, and that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. Notice that my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in, my, in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Let's say that last phrase together. Ready, begin. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Now let's ask the Lord to help us tonight and to give us something from his word that would benefit us and his kingdom. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that for the fact that you are the one who can make the woeful heart to sing. Certainly, Lord, you are enough to give us joy in what you've done for us. It's enough to give us joy. Your Holy Spirit's fruit in our lives is joy. And I pray that you would invigorate your people, strengthen your people, even as we look at this passage of Scripture tonight. And Lord, also I pray that you bless our time in prayer. Uh, may we be effective on our knees so that we can be effective in serving you. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when trials and afflictions come into our lives, as every one of us have faced, when they come into our lives, we often pray, Lord, remove them, right? We want them removed. We want them pushed out of our life. Lord, just get me past this. I want to get past this illness. I want to get past this sickness. I want to get past this financial struggle. I just want to get past this issue that I'm dealing with, maybe a relational issue. I just want to get past it. And that's a very normal prayer for us as humans. We want to, we want to get out of the fire. When we're in the fire, we want out of the fire as quick as we can. And we think in our minds that if God will remove that trial then that's when we're going to be the most effective for the Lord. That's when we're going to have the most power, we're going to have the most impact on other people, if the Lord will remove that. 
And so we think that that trial, that affliction in our life is what is limiting us from being effective for the Lord. And God has a very different viewpoint. I, I find that the Apostle Paul went through a similar situation, and we don't know what exactly his affliction was. Uh, the Bible doesn't really get into exactly what that, that affliction was, but we do know it was something that was a burden to his heart. And I wonder sometimes maybe the Lord didn't point out exactly what it was because maybe to some of us we would have said, oh, that, that affliction was no big deal. To others of us we would have said, oh, man, if I would have had that affliction, I would have just stopped then. I would have quit then. And the Lord, uh, he doesn't really share that with us, so maybe it's, maybe it's a little bit like this. Every affliction in our life that God allows in our lives is a big deal to us. And it matters to us. And the fact that the same answer that God gave the Apostle Paul matters for your affliction right now, just like it mattered for Paul's affliction then. And we have to realize that God is a personal God and his grace is personal to each one of us. And Paul agonized with the affliction that he had. In fact, he agonized in prayer multiple times. Lord, I need this affliction removed. If I'm going to continue on this journey, if I'm going to continue spreading the gospel and preaching Jesus Christ, I need this affliction removed. You know that this affliction is hindering me. It's limiting my ability. I need this removed. You know that it's limiting my, my ability to be engaged in your service. I need this removed. We've prayed the same prayers. Sometimes our prayers maybe aren't as, as, as spiritual as um, perhaps the Apostle Paul's was, I need this removed so I can be in your, your ministry. Sometimes we, we, we pray this so that we can have personal comfort. But irregardless of the motivation for the prayer, Paul was praying, God, I need this, um, this affliction removed. I am limited by this affliction. Now, we've been in this passage um, multiple times. We've, we've read over this. We know these words, but I encourage you to look at it fresh tonight for where you are for the afflictions you might face, whether it's the afflictions of, uh, of an ailment or the afflictions of finances or the afflictions of a, a, a relational issue, whatever the affliction is, look at it fresh as from God to you tonight for the affliction you're facing. He says, I, I wanted this removed. I wanted it out of my life. Every single one of us can identify with the Apostle Paul about that. I want this affliction removed. I want this trial out of my life. I think, God, I could be better if you'd remove this out of my life. And so notice Paul's very earnest prayer. Perhaps you can identify with him in that earnest prayer. And, and it says here in verse number 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, through all that God was doing in my life, lest I should be brought up in pride, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. I want you to notice what Paul says on the victory side of this, this trial. He says this, Listen, I realize that, that this this affliction was granted or was allowed in my life. And I want us to notice that this affliction indeed was granted to Paul. It was given to him is the idea. It was something that God had allowed in his life. Much like Job went through, God had allowed this affliction, this time of testing in Paul's life. He says it was granted or it was given to me. He understood that. He understood that on the victory side of it. Verse number seven is really a, a summary statement before he dives down in. He says, I understand this from this viewpoint. In fact, when I was agonizing through this, I looked back on this affliction as being a messenger of Satan, as being Satan's tool in, in my life to just discourage me and to limit my capability. And so Paul says, boy, I realize this has been given to me. 
This thorn of the flesh, as I mentioned before, we don't know exactly what it was, but it could have been a temptation from Satan. It could have been opposition from the adversaries. Paul had many, didn't he? Many. Every time, every city he went into, someone got mad. They wanted to put him in jail. In some, uh, some cities they did. They beat him. They, um, they, uh, they uh, stoned him with stones. It was, a rough, it was a rough thing to be the Apostle Paul. Perhaps it was intense bodily pain that he, uh, he suffered on an ongoing, ongoing basis. Maybe a recurring physical affliction like an eye trouble, as some would, would suggest, maybe that was the, the thorn in the flesh, or maybe some sort of mental distress that he was going through. Irregardless of what it was, we can identify with this. Paul had affliction, we have affliction, and sometimes we come to the Lord and say, God, I just need this removed. But we have to be mindful of what Paul says here in verse number seven. It was given to me. It was granted to me. It was allowed in my life. Are you able to look at the affliction you're going through right now, even a temporal affliction? Are you able to look at it right now and say, you know what? I recognize that even God has allowed this. Nothing comes into my life but that first passes through the the, uh, approval process of God. And maybe that's hard for us tonight to admit. Maybe we really struggle with that. But friends, when we get to the end of the Apostle Paul's testimony here, it becomes much easier for us to realize God always is on the working in our life. And so we must remember Romans 8, 28, and we do know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. And we can resist the affliction That'll not help us. If we embrace the affliction and allow God to use it as a lever in our life to make us more effective for his glory, that'll help us. That'll help us. So it starts with even looking at the affliction you're going through right now and saying, Lord, I acknowledge that this is given to me. This is allowed in my life at your hand. And yes, it's not fun. It's not not pleasant, but I acknowledge that. I acknowledge that. So what did Paul do as he embraced or faced this affliction? Verse number eight, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice. For this thing. We talk a lot about specific prayer. Well, Paul got real specific. I don't know what what it was specifically that he was praying the Lord take out. It was some sort of affliction, but he got very specific. God, I need this to be taken care of. I'm praying to you about this very very issue. I urge you, Lord. I beg you. I implore you. And the idea is here, he is uh, three specific memorable times he is coming to his father and saying, I need you to release this problem in my life. I need you to take this affliction away from me. Three different times. I'm sure this was on his mind a lot, but three different specific memorable times. God, please take this out of my life. He says, I prayed that it would depart from me, that, that you would take it away. And, and he knew that no one else could. No one else was going to be able to take this affliction away. Only God did. And I just want us to note here that Paul prayed a faith-filled prayer. God, would you do this? This isn't something I can do. I'm helpless against this affliction. Only you can. So he prayed that God would take it away. He prayed literally, God, make it go away. Have you ever prayed that? Lord, make this go away. I find here that prayer is not about as much about getting our request from God, but us getting the mind of God, because that's what's going to happen in Paul's life. 
Paul wanted God to take this out of his life, but that's not exactly how God was going to work it. God was going to give him his perspective. God was going to give him a divine perspective that would help him navigate through this. And notice there was an earnest prayer, but there was an explicit, very clear answer from God. God communicated to him, hey, listen, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. I think we can blow past this so very quickly because we've heard it over and over. But imagine if God was saying to you, hey, I want you to remember that my grace is sufficient for you. Yes, for you. He said here in verse number nine, and he said to me, and he said to me. Do you notice how the Lord is communicating to the Apostle Paul? Well, that's just for the Apostle Paul. God doesn't do that anymore. Friends, God does. God does through his word. Do you hear him by the Holy Spirit through his word, taking his word and applying it to your very situation? He does still communicate to us. He does illuminate his word to us. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. And I would just say even tonight, in your affliction, whatever it is, he's still communicating that same message that he gave to the Apostle Paul. Why? Because he wrote it down these many years ago for us and saying to you and I, hey, my grace is is sufficient for thee he said god spoke now let's not get past that god spoke god declared something here and the question is are we listening and the idea was that for paul he's writing this down as a penman uh, uh, under the inspiration of the holy spirit he's writing this down he said to me he said to me god spoke and this was something that I imagine that God had spoken over and over again to the Apostle Paul and just declaring it. And Paul's just saying, you know, God has spoken this in the past, and this is just the reality. My grace is sufficient for thee. I can imagine that this is how it went. Paul would kneel to pray. Lord, would you take this out of my life? Paul, I've told you my grace is sufficient for thee. Lord, you've got to take this out of my life. I've already prayed about this. You've got to take this out of my life. Don't you know it's limiting my, my effectiveness for you? Paul, I've told you, my grace is sufficient for thee. But Lord, I, I need you to do this before I go on this next journey. I need you to take this out of my life. It is, uh, it is slowing my journey. It's slowing my ability to communicate. Paul, I've told you, my grace is sufficient for you right now. And the tense of the word is that this is something that God gave as a final word. It just kept on coming. This is it. Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. Sufficient to be adequate, to be full, to be enough in quantity. It's all there, Paul. You don't need any more. My grace is sufficient for you personally. Sometimes we look at a person, we ask, well, how in the world did they get through that problem? How in the world did they, they go through that loss? My grace is sufficient for thee. And you know what's amazing about this? God's grace and his promise is still very true to us today. That no matter what we're going through, right now, God's grace is, not will be, not used to be, it is sufficient for thee. Right now, it is. Now, I don't know about you, but there are many times in my life where I might argue with the Lord about that. Any of you with me on that? Right? just are I, I don't know is it <laughs> might ask back is it hold on is it i don't know about this lord but he says it is my grace is present tense it is sufficient right now for thee now the uh, this grace is the lord's undeserved favor 
his ability to bring us through. The Lord's undeserved favors, one man said, toward one who, as a sinner, has deserved the very opposite. This boundless favor with all that it bestows, pardon and peace and support and deliverance, comfort, strength, assurance, hope, joy, and every other gift. It is sufficient for us right now. We have to claim that as a promise. Friends, even as I think about all some of the sickness that goes on and, and just the, the struggle of just going through life with, oh, Lord, this is hard. This is hard. This is still a promise that's in his word. My grace is sufficient for thee. His favor is enough. And we must believe that. What, what other answer do we need for our affliction but this? What other answer do we need for our trial or for that relational issue? What other answer do we need for that financial issue? What other answer do we need for the struggles of life that we face but that my grace is sufficient for thee? What other answer do we need for weariness? My grace is sufficient for thee. So what does that grace look like? Paul, uh, Paul is, um, by the Lord, is, is clarified in this. Look at verse number nine. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. He says, my grace is sufficient for thee. Yes, right now it is. Why and how? For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Okay, Paul, you feel very weak. You feel very incapable. You, you don't feel like you can go on. You feel like this is becoming more and more of a struggle. There's a limitation that is on you, but I'm telling you, in your weakness, in your weakness, my strength is perfected. Now think about this matter of strength. It is divine power. Now, we have, we, guys, we talk about strength and, you know, you used to think about, you know, working out and, you know, how, how much you could, you could lift. And we think about strength. We think about strength in, in the vehicles we drive. We think about strength of, uh, of different things. But you know what? There's no match for divine power. None. And what Paul is saying, uh, what God is saying to Paul is, listen, my divine power, my unlimited, supernatural, abounding divine power is filled up, is accomplished in and through your weakness. Now that's a place we don't want to be because we think the, the exact opposite of that is we think if I'm, if I'm unlimited, if, if this affliction's out of my life, then I'll have all the power that I need. No, he says, no, it's through your affliction, inside of your affliction and through your affliction that actually my unlimited divine powers made known and made real. That's where you experience it. You don't, you, don't, you don't experience it as a whole individual. You don't experience it as a, you know, unafflicted individual. You experience it when you're afflicted, when you're in the middle of the trial, when you're desperately calling out to God for help. That's when you experience it. And he says, that's the strength that I want to give you. Now, I want us to notice something about this word strength. It is the same word that we find used over in Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive what? Power. Who's that power coming from? After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now think about that. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, listen, the way you're going to witness to the whole world of me, the way you're going to see them come to me is through that, that kind of power. That's the power that, that is being told to Paul is made perfect inside of his weakness. The other time we, uh, we see this multiple other times in the New Testament, the other time I want you to see is Acts 6 and verse number 8. Why don't you turn there with me? Acts 6 and verse number 8. Acts 6 and verse number 8. As you're turning, Jesus gets to the end of his, his prayer, uh, his model prayer, 
And he says this, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. There's the same word. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power, that divine power, the same power that he's saying, hey, Paul, I want you to know my strength, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And so notice here in verse number 8 of Acts 6, he says, and Stephen, now who was Stephen? He was first martyr. Okay, very good. What else was he in the church? He was a deacon. So he was, he, was just, he was a godly man in the church that was filled with the Holy Ghost. You remember that? That in Acts chapter number 6, that when they were looking out among the, the church, the first priority was this, that he's full of the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? He's under the control of the Holy Ghost. He's under the control of the Spirit. He's under the influence. By the way, that's not just for deacons, that's for all of us right? Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Yeah, the importance of that. So notice what happens in, in, in Acts 6, 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power. There it is again. There it is again. The same power that, that God said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness it's exactly what um, Peter had, Peter, Stephen had. And just understand here that this is the same power that enabled Stephen to kneel down and to be stoned to death, looking steadfastly up into heaven, and them to be wondering what's going on with this guy, Stephen. Look at his testimony even in his death. There's the power. Friends, this is unlimited power, and it is enough for the affliction that we face. My strength my power is made perfect. It is fully accomplished inside and through your weakness. Now, this word weakness is the idea of my incapacity. Now, we understand the word incapacitated. It's the idea that they, cannot, they can't do anything for themselves. If you say someone is physically incapacitated, you get the real idea without even seeing them that they cannot care for themselves. And that's exactly the, the word here, this infirmity or this weakness, is that Paul had incapacities, a lack of physical or natural or, uh, uh, or, or, or uh, mental uh, qualifications. He was not able to do something. And he says, listen, Paul, my strength, my power is made perfect. It's fully accomplished inside of your incapacities. Every single one of us has something we're incapable of. And without the power of God, We'll never do it. And the sooner we come to that realization, the better off we are for the kingdom. And how necessary it is. I want us to realize tonight, from the life of the Apostle Paul and myriad of other illustrations throughout Scripture, that God only uses broken, limited, desperate vessels. You remember Gideon? Ah, oh, we got 30,000. Well, let's whittle that down to 300. God only works through broken, limited, desperate individuals. You remember even what happened as they surrounded the camp of the Midianites? What God had them do with the clay, the clay pitchers? Do you remember that? Anyone? They broke them. What did it show? It showed the light and then they, they, they sounded the horn. Boy, it sounded like the whole camp was surrounded by a myriad of people, but God just, God amplified that 300 
that group of 300, and they thought they were, they were surrounded in such an amazing way. God is, his power is so large. And when we allow him to work through our broken, desperate, limited lives, he works. When we try to keep ourselves all together and act like, boy, if, if I can be unlimited and I can have it all together and I can be whole and that's when God can really use me, we got the wrong idea. Paul is being brought along on this, this journey of understanding. And so God only uses broken, limited, desperate vessels. And what are you tonight? Well, sometimes we think we're all put together, and that's when we aren't very useful. It's when God brings us to that point to realize, I'm broken. God, I just need you. I need you. Brother Tom Patterson and I were on the phone this past week. I believe it was on Friday. And... Um, I, he will be able to tell the story much better on April 27th when he's with us. Um, but he, uh, w- when he was down in Grenada, um, the last meeting that he really needed to get was with the uh, minister of education. And he's getting close to the end of the, the trip, and he had made many of the, the connections that he had uh, needed to make, but he really needed to speak with the minister of education to, to keep things moving along because she had been... Uh, pretty integral to the, the, whole, the whole Bible project happening, them getting the, uh, uh, you know, agreeing to the Bible's happening. So it was just a needed meeting. And so they prayed, and what do you think God did? What do you think God did? Help me out here. They prayed, and yeah, they got the meeting. There you go. All right, so the, that's what happens. God answers prayer. So he is in a meeting with someone else, and I believe if I remember right, and he'll retell the story, and that's fine. But I believe if I remember right, it was another, another teacher. And he was sharing this need. We really want to get to meet with this minister of education. And if you're not familiar with the Grenada Bible Project, it is a project to bring Bibles to every school child in the island nation of Grenada to deliver them and preach the gospel in the schools as well as hold evangelistic campaigns, especially in the national uh, capital city in the in the stadium there, and, and God's, God's opening all this up. And so it's a really just a o- huge open door. And God has provided the funding for this in, in the first part of this year. Basically in six months, God, God brought over $400,000 together from churches across the nation to, to see this happen. So it's really neat. So he's looking for this meeting, and he's with this, um, this teacher and his, um, the other folks that are with him. And, and uh, uh, he says, boy, I need this meeting. And she goes, well, no problem, I'll give her a call how are you going to be able to give her a call? Well, I'm her niece. Oh, okay. So he gets this meeting and uh, was told that the minister was, was, uh, was extremely uh, just relaxed in the meeting. No staff, other staff in the meeting. It was just, it was, it was a, a very, very relaxed meeting. She takes the, the sample Bible that um, Brother T- Patterson had brought to show her and she opens up and inside she, uh, she takes a look and, and she goes, the first words, oh good, it's King James. And that's what they had asked for in the island nation there. And, and she begins to ask, why? Why would you all do this? And uh, he explained, and many of us have heard the story of you know, how God has brought all this together through different pastors, and began to find out about her life. And evidently, years ago, we're talking 30-plus years ago, there was a, a, a national pastor that through the ministry of that church and that national pastor that this lady had come to the Lord. And the story began to, to continue on. And as best as I rem- uh, remember it, uh, the, the story began to continue on, and it began to realize that it was through Brother Tom's original efforts on the island there 
that the churches had been um, planted and this lady had been reached. And he told me on the phone, he goes, Brother, God had begun to answer this prayer 35 years ago. 35 years ago. Well, here's the, here's the point. Why did Brother Tom Patterson have to leave the island? Well, he, God allowed in his life some brokenness. He allowed a, a child to be born that was Down syndrome, would need many surgeries, would bring him back to the States. He joined the Fellowship Track League and began to just represent and just be faithful to the Lord, and we all have seen his faithfulness over the years. And then God, 30-some years later, opens it up for him to go back down there to have a meeting and to meet up with some pastors that are begging for Bibles, and, he, and the Lord says, and you're the one that's going to do it. Hold up, I, not me. This is exactly his words, not me. <laughs> Lord, you got the wrong guy. And the Lord kept on working in his heart. You know what? It's only a broken vessel that God has used to flood the whole nation, the whole nation, in this, this key moment. God did that. How did, who did he use? A broken vessel. A broken vessel. I can guarantee you, when he comes on the 27th, he's going to tell you, that I, I cannot believe God's doing this for me. He's not coming and saying, hey, God used me, and boy, he was right to. Not at all. No, he's using a broken vessel. One that he, he broke and brought off the field, and now is bringing back and just shining his glory through. This is an amazing thing that we've got, uh, been able to see over the last, you know, over 2021, and to see how God has brought all this together. God only uses broken, limited, desperate individuals. Jacob was not usable until the night he, uh, he wrestled with God, and God uh, touched his thigh, and he began to limp from that time forth. Think about Moses was not usable until after the 40 years in the wilderness. After the 40 years in the, the desert. Beforehand, he killed a man. I'll be used of God this way, and this is how I'm going I'm to uh, release the, the, my, uh, my, my countrymen out of the land of Egypt. Nope, no, that's not how it's going to happen. He was full of himself then, wasn't he? Not after God brought him back. Oh, Lord, I, I'm not the man. I'm not the one you want to send back to Egypt. And so here it is. Paul is learning from God. It's not my strength. It's God's strength through my weakness that's important. Now let's see about Paul's response to all of this. In verse 9, he says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities. Here what I see, rather than this earnest and, and very desperate prayer, now I see this enthusiastic response in the life of the Apostle Paul. I will accept my incapacities. I'm going to accept them. I'm going to take pleasure in them. Notice in verse number 9, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory. Notice in verse number 10, therefore, I take pleasure in mine infirmities. Now, this is really hard. This is supernatural. This is a work of God in anyone's life to be at this point. Wouldn't you agree with me on that? This is amazing. This is an amazing change, and I don't know how many years it took for Paul to get here, but if he's like any of us, it took years, right? Uh, it took time. But he says, I'm going to glory. The idea of glory is I'm, I'm going to boast in this. I'm going I'm to show this off. I am going to accept my incapacities. I'm going to, when, when they're brought up, when they're noted in my life, when someone says, boy, I bet you it's hard. I bet you it's hard to serve God with that problem in your life. And Paul's just going to simply say, yeah, but it's good. Because I found through this problem that God enables me and strengthens me more than I could ever do for myself. It's good. He says, I boast in them. I, I verbally sh uh, show them off. I, I, just, I, I exalt this infirmity in my life. I glory in it. 
I glory in my lack of physical and natural uh, qualifications. I glory in that. And so what I want to know tonight in my own life and in yours, what weakness, what affliction, what infirmity, what incapability should we stop and boast of in front of the Lord? Should we stop and say, thank you? The thing that, that bugs us the most of ourselves and say, if this was out of my life, I could finally serve God. Maybe it's that we should say to our family, you know, I thank God for this. Because it's through this that God's going to sh- truly show his power and he's going to showcase his, his ability and not my own. I thank God for this. My limited time, my unstable health, my limited resources, I thank God for that. Whatever our affliction is, it is through that affliction that he wants to show forth his glory and show forth his power. Paul says, I'm going to accept it. I'm going to gladly glory in my infirmity. I'm going to glory in that incapability that, boy, has held me back and I've struggled with and I've prayed about. I'm going to stop and glory about it now. I'm going to glory about it. I'm going to boast in it. But then notice what he says. I'm going to value God's strength in verse number 10. I'm going to value God's strength that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Notice that, that the power of Christ may rest upon me, the end of verse number nine. That the power of Christ. Now this is very interesting here because the Apostle Paul, boy, he had started, I want to be healed. I want to be whole. I want to be free of this affliction. But he is now realizing the affliction in my life is allowing the power of Christ to actually rest upon me. I want you to notice what one author said. The, the figure of this is really beautiful. It's, it's the idea of a tent resting upon or uh, enveloping something. This idea of resting. So that the power of Christ might envelop me or it might cover me as a tent. And so the author says the figure is beautiful. The power of Christ spreads its tent over Paul and all his weakness. And it does so at once and for all and permanently. It's, it's a once and, and, and done idea. All of Paul's weaknesses are covered and hidden away under that tent of Christ's power. You know, have you ever looked at somebody who, who's obvious God's hand is upon their life and you say something to them, wow, God is really using you. And they say, it's all God. And they kinda, they're kind of taken back by, boy, you even stating that? Well, I'm telling you, you're t- probably talking to a person who's, who's, who understands what it is to have Christ's power resting upon them because they realize their own brokenness before him and they're holding on for dear life and they're working through affliction and they stop and they say, boy, it, it's, it's, all, it's all him. That's not me. But all you can see is God's power on their life. That's what's going on in Paul's life here. And and friends, I want us to realize this isn't just for Paul. God put it in the scriptures for you and for me. He wants us to realize that his power can rest upon us as well. And so out of this, out of this realization, this affliction in my life is allowing Christ's power to rest upon me, to, to cover me as with a tent and to envelop me. He says, therefore, I Take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So what does he say? Listen, I'm going to value. I'm going to treasure God's strength. I'm going to value God's strength in my life and his power being uh, flowing through my life more than me being free of this affliction. 
Well, that's a, that's a spiritual that's a spiritual reality. That's a spiritual growth point. When we're having that type of growth in our lives, we ought to just be praising the Lord right there. And that's what's going on in his life. And friends, understand this, that all this happened as Paul sought the Lord in prayer. Yes, he sought the Lord to to remove it, but it was through prayer that God helped him to see his affliction from a different viewpoint. And it's through prayer that you and I are going to see our afflictions through a different viewpoint. That where, where God is going to align our minds with his. We're going to get his heart through prayer. And notice what it says there at the verse, uh, end of verse number 10. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, is that not just like completely opposite of everything we hear in the world? It's all about our strength and us being macho and us, you know, and even in the pop Christian world and by popular Christian world, the, the, the kind of the, the Christian world that's just very showy and everything's good and every day's a Friday type Christian world, right? Uh, you, you, that's even opposite from that. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In prayer, God had reversed Paul's thinking. He got it to God's way of thinking. He reversed his perspective. He thought that if God removed the affliction, he would then have power. However, God showed him that through the affliction, he had power. That's where he had power. McDonald said it this way. It is when we are conscious of our own weaknesses and our nothingness that we depend on the power of God. And it is when we are thus cast on him completely in dependence that his power is manifested to us and we are truly, truly strong. That's when. Friends, we have to come to the point where we're willing to boast in our own weakness and our incapabilities. Lord, thank you for this. William Wilberforce, who led to the fight to abolish slavery in the British Empire, he was physically weak and frail. But he had a deep faith in God. It was Boswell who said of him, I saw what seemed to me a shrimp become a whale. I saw what seemed to me to be a shrimp become a whale. How? Through God. God taking his weakness and revealing through that weakness his glorious might and power. God is not going to share his glory with anyone. Not with me, not with you. And when we'll accept our weakness and our incapabilities before our very powerful and strong God, do you know that through that very, that very limitation, God's going to show his unlimited self through us and through the world around us, through our family, through our church family. And friends, we want that. So I ask you tonight, are you weak? Pray about it. Are you sick? Pray about it. Go to the Lord in prayer like Paul did. Are you limited? Pray about it. Are you overwhelmed? Yeah, we get there. Pray about it. Go through that in prayer and allow God to shift your perspective and allow God through that prayer to to help you to see that your affliction is really is really your greatest spiritual asset. Now, that's not easy to say because we want the affliction gone. But in all honesty, what Paul was um, facing here tonight, he found that his affliction was really his greatest asset. It was what God would use to use him in the most powerful way. And so as we just, before we go to prayer together tonight, could we just bow and just ask the Lord, Lord, this affliction that I'm facing right now, 
would you help me to see it as, as an, an asset for your glory? Would you help me to see it as, as the, the, the place through which you can work in an unlimited way through my life? Would you help me to accept it like the Apostle Paul did? Let's bow and pray and talk to the Lord about that even right now. Father, what you showed to the Apostle Paul is so very relevant to me and to my friends today because we all face afflictions and we struggle a lot. And we need your help to come to the same place of understanding that the Apostle Paul did. He was not some superhuman. Lord, he was a human just like us. And I pray that the, the afflictions that we're facing even this evening, Lord, would we help, would we understand them as, as the, the place through which you can show your great and glorious power. So help us to submit to that even tonight. In Jesus' name, would you just take time with the Lord there and talk to him as he's worked in your heart? Father, how we need you in this hour, and we need you to continue to lead us along. We pray that we would seek you in prayer, and that we would, as the Apostle Paul, come to the same point of victory, come to the victory side concerning our afflictions. I pray for our church family. I pray your blessing upon them. I pray that you would continue to lead us, help us to stay fervent on the journey, help us to seek you even as we wake tomorrow morning. Lord, will we continue to seek you in prayer I pray for the commitments that have been made that, Lord, even, even when it seems like Satan swoops in at the, at the very point where we, we are deciding to follow you, Lord, I pray that you would give strength to your people to continue to seek you with all of their hearts. Lord, help us, we pray. Bless in our prayer time right now. Lord, we need you more than anything, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to gather towards the front here and uh, gather around the the front pew and the altar and pray together tonight and we have some prayer requests that we want to make known this evening and then we're just going to spend a bit of time in prayer this evening so come on up here and let's gather around and love uh, just even praying across the altar just get up close so that we can pray together miss nancy has a prayer request that she's going to share and uh and others if you have anything that you'd like to share uh quickly we'll do that Let's pray for all those that over this past weekend made uh, commitments to spend an hour with the Lord in prayer. What a blessed time we had. That was uh, certainly a blessing. And uh, we were encouraged, I continue to encourage you to stay focused on the Lord. Stay focused on the Lord. Don't let anything uh, stop you. Miss Nancy, why don't you share that? <laughs> 